apologies for the slight burst of uh, dramatic music unexpectedly there, but you are listening to Screen Brum, the Screen Brum show here on Brum Radio. We've been away for a while. We've been away for a while and we had a, a, a crazy flirtation with doing the show on a Monday. But you know what? We're back now. This is classic Screen Brum. This is the Friday noon slot as as nature intended. And we're here to talk all things film, TV, screen, basically, because we are Screen Brum. And um, we are, uh, in no particular order, uh, Mr. Blake Woodham, that's me. Uh, I am the guy who never goes out, so basically watches everything on Netflix. Um, in the chair opposite me, we have... In a minute, I'll tell you what you are doing is not having the right microphone fade. This is going well so far. Try again. <laughs> Yeah. Was that the ultimate introduction? The ultimate introduction. That was the ultimate introduction. The silence was deafening. The, the silence outside was deafening. world. Um, so Hello. yes, Tim is the uh, Tim is is kind of, I would say he's our go-to man for all things blockbuster, but that certainly is not meant to be in a negative way. Um, because um, what we do have normally is the art house connection. We do have the brains of the outfit, Lucy Beth. She is the the, the person who you know tells us um, that basically, you know, this everything was done by Fassbinder 25 years ago and we don't know what we're talking about. Unfortunately, uh, for us and for you, uh, Lucy is unwell today and she's not able to come along. We were really hoping to see her and she's not able to come along. So our first uh, order of the day is to say hello, Lucy, if you're listening, and that we wish you uh, a speedy recovery. We do, we do wish you to get well soon. We miss you, actually. We do we miss do you. We do miss the authority and presence and general um, knowledge that we don't have yeah. about all things film. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so, but we you know we 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 rock on. So we're going to say things today that are undoubtedly wrong, undoubtedly filled with errors, and um, we do expect you to tweet in at Screen Brum and tell us where we've gone wrong and and send your suggestions too. See, I'm not quite sure whether we've given the audience a, a reason to stay uh, listening yet, but we'll think of something. We have many reasons to stay. With nothing else, we will try and entertain you for two hours. We will. We're going to play some great music, and we're going to be... What we're going to do this um, this week is we're going to have a bit of a kind of a recap. We're going to look back a little bit on, on 2019, but we're also going to spend a lot of time looking forward. What are we looking forward to Ooh, in the new year? What's, what's, what's the exciting things that are coming along? Um, just uh, to let you know the, the opening track there you may be aware of it already but if you're not it was the bonzo dog doodah band um, with the intro and the outro and we play that as a tribute to uh neil innes um who was uh, a, a a central member of the bonzo dog doodah band but also the the fantastic Ruttles, which many of you may have seen. If you haven't, I'd recommend seeing it. It's a fantastic film, a spoof uh, Beatles movie, a loving spoof, I would say, um, and has some fantastic music in it as well. And he also did a lot of work with Monty Python. And so you'll have seen a lot of his stuff on screen. And he passed away, um, I think it was uh, last week, or certainly the early part of, of the year. Um, so this is that was our tribute to to Neil Innes. Um, right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some more music and then I'm going to come back and tell you everything you need to know about the year 20. Just you. 20. Just me? Yeah, okay, good, I'll go now. Yeah, you can go, because um, you don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got my uh, 
prognostication glasses on. See ya. I had to work hard for those. Um, so we're going to be back. But I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I've got some interesting facts for you, Tim. You know, I uh, haven't put them in quiz format for a change. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's play some music from uh, one of the big hits of uh, the last year. Um, and we'll be back after this. People don't pay to see Reginald Dwight. They pay to see Elton John. You know who that was. Um, I keep saying that as if you should, but that, that was not Elton John, despite the introduction saying that. And uh, that was Taryn Edgerton singing, um, Elton, being a pinball wizard, from the film Rocket Man, which is the biopic of Elton John. Didn't see it, but you, you, you liked it. I liked it. Mm. And uh, Taron Edgerton is really good. Um, and it just highlights the early Elton John stuff for me more than anything else, which I think is peerless stuff. Good, yeah. Goodbye, Elaborate Road is one of my favourite albums. I, and I, I th- I'll, Sorry, uh, we're not turning into a music show. That's nice, everyone. No, no. Um, well, you know, we are playing music. And the, yeah, the, the strap line was something like based on a true fantasy or something which I, which tickled me. Yeah. And it was nice to see, you know, because, I mean, Dexter Fletcher directed and he's, I, I, you know, he was brought into sort of Rescue Bohemian Rhapsody as mm. well, wasn't he, at the end? Um, when uh, But his name was never on it, was it? it was no, it still remained Brian Singer. Yeah. But when he would, yeah, which is, there's a nice production history there to that film. But mm. yeah, Rocket Man is uh, very good. So who next? Or who's next for the biopic treatment? There's oh. going to be an Aretha Franklin film, I think, out this year, mm. which could well be fantastic. It might get mentioned. Ooh. There's a couple of things that are going to get mentioned. Well, because we are, as I said, we are looking biopic forward. Biopic or biopic or whatever. Mm. Oh, God, not that again. Not that debate. Oh, yeah, no. That's the kind of high level intellectual discussion that you can look forward to. Um, now who's missing Lucy, right? Um, so we're going to be talking about our favourite... Uh, well, it's, it's a difficult one, this, because we're going to be talking about our favourites of films we haven't seen yet. Um, but, you know, things we are, are looking forward to. And we'd love to hear what you have. Um, we've already had someone on Twitter mention uh, the there's a live-action remake of Mulan that they're looking forward to. Don't know anything about that. But um, if there's anything that you are very excited about, we would love for you to tell us. So you can tweet us at Screen Brum and let us know. Now, the year 2020 is coming up. We're in the 20s, the roaring 20s. We don't know what they're going to be yet, but they're their 20s. Um, right, here's some films that were, were set in the year 2020, which gives an idea of what might happen uh, in the coming uh, months. Um, Alien Invasion from uh, Edge of Tomorrow from 2014. That was set in 2020. Uh, Pacific Rim with an alien invasion from 2013. Then there's a human invasion of Mars in the in Mission to Mars from 2000. And um, a human invasion of Venus in 1965's Voyage... I mean, you know what this film is from the sound of it. 1965's Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet, which is Venus. But it starred Basil Rathbone, which is quite intriguing. The Sherlock Holmes in space. Um, then other things that we can look forward to are killer robots from Terminator Dark Fate, uh, Killer Dragons from 2002's Reign of Fire, and, of course, our old friend Social Collapse from uh, 1984's 2020 Texas Gladiators. Interestingly, I, I looked at that. There's a, so it's, a, it's an Italian film, and it's uh, it's called 2020 Texas Gladiators, but in, in, Ita- in Italian it's called 2000-something. So the, uh, the English language will have got 20 more years of, um, of social cohesion before it all went wrong. The only positive film I could find or relatively positive film I could find <laughs> where there was no invasion or, or, or destruction um, was uh, 2011's Real Steel which is about robot boxers 
Really? Yeah. Can I can I extend on this uh, this speculative world of film? Please um, do. And this in the 2020s, mm-hmm. things to look forward to. Um, we've got um, Giorgio Moroder's Metropolis, which is set in 2026. Blimey, 20. I mean, um, Soil and Green was set in 2022. Oh no! And of course, in the Terminator, it was 2029 AD, the uh, the wasteland of LA. Um, we know where robots are killing humans. Okay, so we've got a bit of time um, to sort yeah, ourselves out. Um, that. Uh, Mission to Mars. Remember that? The yeah, yeah. Brian De Palma film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, set in 2024. I thought it was 2020, because I got it written down here, but anyway. And then, of course, you know, keeping it happy, Children of Men, <laughs> which always gets a regular... It's almost like a every other every other screen from Children of Men gets mentioned. Oh, it's a fantastic film. Uh, 2027 is when um, we won't be able to um, reproduce anymore. Uh, oh, dear. Right. So um, Her was 2025, so we'll be, right. we'll be having relationships with computers. Mm. Um this mm-hmm. is just an endlessly happy list of uh, films. Well, you know, hers reasonably. You know, at least there's no robot boxers. And um, Highlander 2, The Quickening, is <laughs> set in 2024. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, we can look forward to uh, hopefully never seeing that film again. That will be one thing. There will be only be one, thank goodness, <laughs> taking uh, <laughs> Conor McLaren. There and... is only one. The rest of them do not exist of those in that sequence. Um, so, yes, the filmmakers of the past have not had Except huge I think there have been four, haven't they? I think they have, but yeah. no, they haven't. There have only been, been one. one. Yes, in the same way that there's only been uh, two and a half Alien films. Um, Controversial. Yeah. Um, filmmakers of the past, as I say, they've not had huge hopes for the year. Um, we might have an interdimensional rift open up in the bottom of the ocean. Horrible monsters might come pouring out a la Pacific Rim. We don't know. But there are some things that we can broadly predict, some things we think may happen. Um, I will. And Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro does appear in the episode today. Ooh. So we do have to look, something to look forward okay, to. Okay, yeah. So always, always good. Well, not always good, but... Um, things that we can look forward to. Brexit. Oh, please. Right, okay, let's leave that one there. Keep, um, we don't mention that word yeah, The Euro 2020 football tournament, which is going to be held all over Europe. That's celebration more pleasing. European togetherness. Um, now, um, in light of the uh, Mission to Mars film we talked about, there is actually a 2020 Mars mission being launched this year, which is going to study the habitability of Mars in preparation for future human missions. It's setting off in this year. It's not going to land until next year. There was a brilliant episode of Click. Um, you know the BBC programme Click, which is the tech programme? Oh, yeah. They actually went to NASA and they observed um, people who were being... They, they mixed people together and they put them into conditions like they'd be on Mars. Mm. And they keep them locked in, basically locked in cages, you know, locked in bubbles for months on end. It's, I tell you what, it's not a place to raise a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's as cold as you know what. Um, Remember how to grow potatoes, though. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> other things. Other things. Um, the the uh, reference there was from The Martian. Very good. Um, oh, Ridley Scott and Matt Damon are going to be mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. They, and, um, and they were... Well, that was you know, a high point of Ridley Scott's recent work. Um, Olympics in Tokyo this year as well. That is very exciting. That is exciting. Some positivity. And another one which may be uh, best left just hanging is the US presidential election. It could be exciting if it goes the right way. 
it could be it could be well it'll be exciting that's for sure it'll but, be controversial uh, but all the way you know we are we're all about positivity on the screen bro, I'm sure we don't so talk politics on screen bro, unless don't. it's in a film context exactly um we are the screen brum show is going to have a lot of um, a lot of uh things to look forward to as well we're in discussions with a lot of great guests we've got a big slate of guests lined up for us this year we are coming back all guns blazing all engines fine. i'm not quite sure what i'm doing here but we you know we're, we're, what i'm saying is we're back we're back with a bang we're going to have some great guests we've got some filmmakers academics and general great and good from our area and belong on beyond so do keep an eye on our twitter feed where we'll be announcing things uh, that's at screen brum and um, and keep tuning in of course all our old shows are available and as always if you have ideas or suggestions or people or yourself mm. And uh, for the show, please uh, tweet us or get in touch because we want to make sure our agenda is as packed and as brilliant as possible. Fantastic. Um, now, predictions, Tim, for the year. I We don't know what's going to happen in lots of things. People can feel quite um, you know, frightened about the state of the world. I, I'm going to stick my neck out and I've got three things I think might happen. Um, the first is I think George Clooney is going to reveal himself to be an alien who visited Earth to spread a message of peace. I think that's my, that could well happen this year. Will he do it in a coffee pod? Almost certainly. Um, I think Aston Villa are going to win the Premier League this year. Uh, that's going to be Liverpool. It, you know, I, I'm still saying Aston Villa have got a chance. I'm not quite sure if that's mathematically the case. Almost certainly not. Um, but there may be an interdimensional rift opens up and something happens. And here's the more, here's the most daring prediction and possibly unlikely one which is that all Star Wars fans in the world will come together in the spirit of understanding and togetherness and accept that it's okay to like a film that other people don't like and vice versa what do you think? Yeah and I think that um, all Star Wars fans will uh, get behind loving The Last Jedi because they should Oh, don't you started on the last Jedi was the one from two years ago, wasn't it? Yes. It's it's an interesting it's a it's a sad tradition. Every year, every Christmas, I take a big sort of load of kids um, who, who have been getting progressively older and less interested um, to see the Star Wars film every Christmas for the last four or five years. It's been a joy. Been out. And it has been a joy. And really, I've really loved it. But um, yeah, I felt like as we left today, they were all like this time. They were all like, "Well, that's it. Now I'm not going to see any more." Uh, I, I, I suspect we probably will. But predictions to the 2020s, there will be more Star Wars films. Yeah, yeah but um, <laughs> but there are other films as well. And as we mentioned, we'd like to films. hear from you. <laughs> right, let's let's definitely move on from that one. Um, I'm receiving, um, as we speak, a combination of... Um, uh, uh, sorry, a series of um, information from Lucy about what her predictions are. I know we keep talking about Lucy um, and she's not here. It's because we, we miss her. But she um, has got some predictions, uh, her, her, excuse me, her expectations as well. So we're reading those out as we go through. Um, but uh, before we do, we thought we would have a little bit of a quick overview of um, of last year. And just sort of any any kind of high points. Hopefully in a that, film sense, nothing else, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if anything exciting happened to you, talk about it. But any anything last year, what, what, what would you say are the high points? We're not doing a full review, but high points of last year for you, Tim. In the film world. In, in the, the world f- of film. film world, yeah. Oh, there were many high points in the world of film this mm. year. I mean, every year has high points in the world of film. I, you know when people say, was... Was twenty nineteen a good year for film? Was twenty every year is a good year for film, as long as people keep going 
to the cinema to watch films. Because I think if there's one point that slightly worries me about the trajectory of films is that people aren't going to see the small and mid, the small and mid-budget films at the cinema anymore. Uh, I, I I accept that actually you know I have a Netflix subscription and I am you know queuing up watching you know The Irishman, Marriage Story, Two Popes, or whatever that's coming out on Netflix, and I accept that as a format. But there's, there's something about still seeing things on a screen, and, and a big screen, and, and having an event, no matter what the budget is on the film, that is really really important. And that's something that's a trajectory that's only going to continue, and it makes me quite sad. Mm. Um, but so that that is one reflection on the year is that we are seeing continual movements towards um, films coming out on streaming pay for channels. but of course on the other hand is, they are getting the made way. yeah you know they are getting made they are getting made things. so um and 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 they are still i mean um the mac the midlands arts center here in birmingham i saw that they're doing a showing of the irishman that's that sold a lot of tickets already yeah and again that's a three and a half hour long film that's been out on netflix for a month or something yeah. um and there's still an appetite for people to see it so there, you know th- there is an opportunity so at least we should be you know, grateful that these films are getting made. Yeah, and um, Netflix do do I think put up some effort into sh- into putting a cinema run together of their films, albeit very very limited. I think that's is that uh, the ones where they think there might be an Oscar opportunity, so or they, they just do do it yeah. for whatever reason. You know, um, so I'm um, um, you know that's good mm-hmm. in that regard. But anyway, that's just a little sort of uh, over uh, reflection on the nature of viewing cinema. But uh, in terms of films, 2019. Um, I I think what I'd like to do is just go through my favourite films and, you know, just get to the point, I think. And I know that um, I'm very keen to see what Lucy will can say about some of these choices because I know that she might share a couple of them. But uh, Other listeners are available, by Other the listeners way. are available. And I'd like, to, what, I'd like to know what other people thought about films. Anyway, um, I'm rambling. Um, my first choice for film of the year was the Shaun of the Sheep, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. <laughs> Farmageddon! I, I can't say how much... I can't say enough how much I loved this film. Um, um, it's in, a, in that kind of, in that world of Ardman, you know that world of Ardman where the characters themselves are more human than human, the expressions that they give off, the references that are just made for the adults, mm. the skirt, skirt on every, tip, every genre, every type of thing, and yet at the heart of it, it's a buddy film involving a sheep and an alien. Mm. And the, the the expression, the the excitement, the fun, the joy that you go through watching Sean get, helping get Lilu the alien home is it, just it, the most joyous thing. It's it's I I did not know uh, until I went to see it. Took uh, my daughter that it was uh, yeah. There's no there's no speech, there's no dialogue at all. Yeah. Um, but it's brilliant. It's yeah, really... and I, I love I love all the little mannerisms and the voices that they make. And I love the um, I always I've always loved the farmer who comes across as a kind of aging proclaimer. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of very funny. You know, sorry, I've probably broken the microphone with my impression there. Um, but um, in, you know, it's it's so funny. It's so packed with um, elements around spy films, sci-fi films, referencing all the way through little puns on words. Mm. You know, whether you know rock hard place, all that kind of stuff, and. The ending, of course, channels the ET thing, and it had—I think—it has everyone in floods of tears at the end. You know, you know, and, and then Lilu, when he's when he, when she when the parents go away, and and you know, she Lilu makes the expression of her mother and father. You know, Manu, Badu, oh. uh, so I'm yeah, filling up. I, I yeah, you know, starting in a non-art house way. I really love Sean the Sheep Farm again in the movie, keeping 
keeping the highbrow on Brum Radio. There you go. I don't think anyone can argue with me, can they? I don't think. I, I think. I think. Well, if you if it's you disagree with him, it's it is fantastic. It's um, you know the very best use of plasticine. Um, other other films that that um, the high points for us here on the Screen Bum Show last year. One. Um, from uh, our other contributor, uh, Lucy Beth, is a Starfish, A.T. White Starfish. Um, she writes that it's difficult to know where to start with this one. There are so many beautiful visual layers. It's one of the most wonderful looks of grief and loss I've seen. Breaks cinematic walls, flattens reality walls, adds animated sections and alien invasions, world-saving mixtapes. It's flat out beautiful. Haven't seen it. Sounds amazing, I have to say. Um, so thank you. And uh, another one um, from Lucy is Elizabeth Moss, who's always worth watching. She's great in everything. Yeah. Um, she uh, her she did a, 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 a feminist uh, punk uh, riot girl uh, role uh, in the film Her Smell. Um, it follows from the peak of her success as she comes crashing down around her her band and her loved ones as she loses all control. We see her go through the lowest points in a slow, brutal and loving recovery. Um, Lucy says she wasn't sure to begin with, but about halfway through she was emotionally ruined and felt she'd bring a strong bond, built a strong bond with this incredible woman. Uh, if there was an award, award-deserving performance last year, that was it. Now, award-deserving is a dangerous thing to say at this point because the Oscar nominations have just come through, which is a, another kind of excuse to look back on the year. But I think we should probably shy away from that because you're on Harding to nothing, I think, really, when you, which of these is better than the others, don't you think? Yeah, I think, um, I, as, I, as I said to you before the show, I think the thing about awards is that it's a reflection of what the industry want you to... Mm. It's the films that they put up on the pedestal every year. I quite like awards season in, in some regards, and then I don't. I think it's a mixed blessing. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, you know, there are things that like there are th- the awards that are always good, like Rising Star Awards. You know, that things that are voted for by the public, although you know, well, the public are always right, aren't they? At the end of the day. Well, you know, this, um, this is one area where there is no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. It is opinion at the end of the day. Um, anyway. Um, I would like to just flag up also Pain and Glory, Pedro Maldivar's mm-hmm. film. I know that Lucy loved this as much as I did. Um, talking of films of heart, and I think that's been a theme for me. The films that connected with me have been films of heart in 2019. Um, it's a sort of a semi-autobiographical film, and it focuses on a, car- a, a film director played by Antonio Banderas. Um, and it, it, basically, it's a film about aging. It's a film about reflecting on one's life in the past and the present, uh, reflecting on things that are affecting him, drink, drugs. Um, and then sort of the way that the film does it is it does it through a, uh, has a, a sort of a painterly quality, an art quality, where it reflects on child, his, up, his upbringing, things that he, he remembers from upbringing, whether it's his mother, whether it's a sexual encounter, um, and it's through a series of flashbacks that he starts to re- reflect upon the memories that he's had, reflect upon his health, reflect on his mother, and his mother is dying in the present day, um, reflect upon former relationships. And what it does is it just breaks your heart and captures it at the same time, several times over in the space of a film. And it only Pedro Maldivar can do it in such a way that it just does that in that kind of uh, arty painterly quality mm. painting like colorful is it? colorful yeah. yeah as a canvas mm. it's a rich canvas for want of a better word and painting actually forms an integral part of the film itself um as there is a there are several references to paintings in the film um i won't spoil it and then again the things that Amaldivar does around um just 
capturing things makes it makes you realize that semi-autobiographical element must be at the heart of Pedro's thinking in the film. And there's a great score again by um, I've forgotten his name, Antonio Antonio Iglesias, um, who's one of the regular uh, contributors on Pedro's films. Um, but it is um, it's beautiful, and that's the best way of. Um, Alberto Iglesias, not Antonio. Sorry, um, uh, and, and it's uh, you know it's beautiful. That's the way I, th- I think I think consider the film. It's one of the best films of last year. I look forward. I've not seen it. I don't see any films. I don't know. I'm a terrible person beyond the show. Frankly, there are another um, three films I'm going to talk about as well. But, yeah. um, let's have a bit more music um, while we're doing this. is This is not from an upcoming film. It's difficult again uh, to choose the music for for today's show because the soundtracks haven't been released yet. But this is from a film which does have a sequel coming out and the film uh, in question is Top Gun so the sequel is hey. I don't know what it's called Top Gun 2 Maverick or something I'm not sure Wingman Blake um, uh, my experience of seeing this film was when it came out whichever one that was mid 80s I saw it on a ferry uh, on a school trip uh, which it is make a, you sick it made me extremely sick <laughs> I never saw the end because I had to leave so a terrible idea is to watch a, a film with loads of flying airplanes whilst on a, a, a ferry on the choppy sea um, and wearing a really horrible acrylic um, dress uh, tracksuit as well, um, which probably didn't help. Anyway, let's play the music because it's great, and you know it. <laughs> You lot all take my breath away. That's uh, Berlin from the Top Gun and the sequel to Top Gun. I think we still haven't worked out what it's called. Um, is Top coming Gun out. Top Gun, Top Gun, Gun with Tom, a Vengeance. Tom Cruise Top Gun. I don't know. Anyway, but you know, it's going to come out and people will enjoy it. And that is a good thing. I will thing. go and see it. Here we are. Tim will go and see it. No guilt. I will go and see it. <laughs> oh, there's, no, there's no shame involved here. So we were going to be, we haven't yet, we're all half an hour into the show, we haven't even started on 2020. So I'm just going to do a quick um, recap again on, on our highlights. And I wanted to say my film of the year last year was uh, The Favourite. Which... I forget. It was like, it's, it's such an... Uh, feel, you know when you go so far back into 2019? Good call. It, it, and it's such a great film. Yeah. Such a kind of... Um, it's just uh, it, visually, uh, the sound is fantastic. There's a lot of, of lighting's very interesting. It's so this is a film set in I don't even know what era it is because I'm historically the illiterate. Past. It's set in the past, so there is a, there's a lot of, uh, of of it's lit by candlelight, and they really did use a lot of natural light. So it has that real kind of. The early 18th century, royal court intrigues, um, Olivia Coleman. Uh, I mean, you know, what else do you need to know? But it's fantastic, brilliant film, really a funny, um, but also sort of frightening and 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 powerful. Really interesting kind of um, story about female relationships with each other, and 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 just brilliant. I I I, I was one of my essays, my highlight of the year last year. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, I wasn't even going to try and pronounce it, but there we go. Um, yeah, um, so I mean, it's it's um, as, as Tim said, it was right at the start of last year. Um, certainly over in this country, so it's kind of one of these things that you forget about. But um, it's a strong contender. That's my favourite one of the last year. Can I trip through three more? Go on, very very quickly. Um, for the most cinematic experience I had last year, um, Apollo Eleven. The documentary um, by Todd Douglas Miller. Basically, it's the recapturing of 
the uh, moon landings from 1969, the capture of, he used the uh, documentary footage and edited together um, kind of the whole kind of, in 94 minutes he kept it together the, the feel of every aspect of the moon landings as though you were there and as though you were living it again. Wow. You know, from the, from the, just the feel of the, the astronauts going onto the aircraft, the crowds, the setting, the, everything is close up and it feels amazing. The, the thing that really makes the film work is the sound editing and the, and the music. So you're really living the the experience of being on the plane, so on, is the it plane the, on the plane, <laughs> on the on the craft, on the spaceship. Is it the original footage? Yes, because the there was footage. there was an interesting um, film Basically, I saw this year where they'd re they'd taken the audio footage from the the cabin, and then they they'd reenacted it with actors, but with the original right. audio. Uh, and that was really good. That was the one on BBC Four, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, that was really cool. Mm. This film needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible. It, it's kind of um, sometimes the only the only response you can have is just like you know, sort of you know, <gasps> and that's kind of how you feel watching it. It makes you uh, reach out to the moon quite literally. You know, you when you when you see the moon after after you've seen that film, you see the moon. You realize how far away yeah. it is, and you um, and it also inspires you for your, for inspires you for wonders and the world and the future and brings back a sort of faith in uh, what we why we're here and what we're purposed and for what what uh, people can actually do and what people can actually do mm. and the thing that always comes across is how calm everyone is yeah in, in even in moments of uh tension and um susp- you know uh, incredible stakes yeah. the, the, the sheer level of calm mm. Is um, unbelievable. I know they were all just uh, absolutely uh, iron. These guys weren't they? Iron, just, yeah, just machines, machines Incredible. trained to the edge. Um, another film from last year I really loved was *The Farewell*, which is Lulu Wang's film about um, uh, a, a chi- um, Chinese family based in America. Focuses on the daughter called Billy, uh, who has to return to China um, under the guise of a kind of a fake wedding to to say goodbye to. Um, uh, a beloved matriarch uh, aunt who's dying, but she doesn't know that she's dying. She has uh, terminal cancer, um, and uh, the film's basically it has a it's a it's both a, an endearing family drama and a comedy. Um, culture clashes, um, returning to China, different family uh, family tensions coming to the air. But of course, the, the whole thing is focused around the the, the imposed uh, the the the, uh, el- the supposed um, impending death of a of a of a relative. Um, but the thing about the film is it shows that, you know, um, it's about bringing bonds together and bringing family together. And it's really quite um, moving mm. and it's a beautiful film. Uh, and the final film that I loved last year was uh, talking of Star Wars and talking of Last Jedi was Ryan Johnson's uh, follow up to The Last Jedi Knives Out. I thought I'm counting that as this year, but it probably isn't. It is was it? last year. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, it's a gloriously funny camp full of largesse film. Um, you know, it. <laughs> Who done it with more than a nudge of Agatha Christie? Uh, and I think that with Daniel Craig, I was thinking Benoit Blanc reminds me of Peter Falk's Colombo in some ways because oh, there's, yeah. there's a kind of a, a zaniness and slightly bonkers quality. And it also just lovely seeing Daniel Craig doing comedy. It was. It makes you want to do it more. Um, I think it's the best time I've had in a cinema for a long time, actually, that film. Uh, and one of the best, I think, murder mysteries that we've seen. We don't see many murder no. mysteries, let's be honest. Well, there, there is, there is um, strong, you know, strong noises that they're going to be a sequel. And you want to see Benoit Blanc well. back, don't well, you? Well, I did see I did see um, <laughs> you know? a tweet from Rian Johnson saying that he had considered um, 
Benoit Blanc having a completely different accent and it never being kind of mentioned. <laughs> he just like comes back and he's the same character with a totally different voice. That'd be, be kind of a Peter Sellers kind of yeah, thing going on. It, it? But it's 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 a great it's a great ensemble cast. It yeah. looks great. Especially Anna de Armas. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, I lo- I she's in. It. She's in the Bond film, isn't she's she? She's in a lot of things next yeah, year. She's going she's, to. Yeah. She's um, bubbling More up. To I think come. they say. Yeah, she's on a trajectory. Um, yeah. So other other recommendations we have from last year are um, is uh, Colette. Um, yes, absolutely. Where we have uh, Kieran Knightley. Um, Very good. Starring as a French ghostwriter who becomes recognised in her own right. Um, and um, another recommendation from, from Lucy here being Frank, the Chris Sivey story documentary Loved about Frank. Frank Sybottom. Yeah, it was, it was a brilliant documentary. So well put together. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I haven't seen it. I have met Frank Sybottom a couple of times. That's right, you told us that. conversations with, with his head on. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite unnerving. But It's quite sad as well, um, hearing this, you know, you hear the backstory behind him. Mm. And, you know, and it's very sad knowing mm. some of the circumstances and, uh, and some of the things behind him. Yeah, he brought so much joy. Yeah. It's just, just a joy for his character. And um, Frank the Film, where Michael Fessbender plays Brilliant him, film. Um, obviously very different from the real-life story, but a great film as great well. Film. Great music in it as well. So check out both of those. Um, anything else before we can move on? Can um, we move on? Can we actually talk about next year now? I love Little Women. Actually, if you want a companion piece... That's I, this year, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. If you're looking about a film about someone writing a book, or the, the, the Colette is the better film... Um, that's saying something, isn't it, to say mm. that? Because I think Little Women's great, and I love how um, Greta Gerwig uses the timeline um, and messes with the book a little bit. I love actually, I love the as- the, the directorial aspects of that film, but Colette's a better film. Mm-hmm. L- Lucy is bottom. Not that we are, um, you know, not that we are getting into all of that. Kind and of Toy Story Four was as good as it wanted needed to be. Toy Story Four was was, was as was good as perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. and I, I still want a Forky. And and <laughs> it did cor- it did correct. Um, a kind of slightly um, sort of hanging thread from very early on, um, which is that you know, in one, in I think in the first one, there's a there's a character who who's sort of set up as being a bit like Woody's love interest, and then she just sort of disappears, and we think mm. oh, that's a bit weird, and then we d- learn why, and it's not uh, it's not a sort of case of her just being sidelined, which is nice. That is nice. Um, yeah, Toy Story four. Um, I, is there more coming? Do we? Do we have I think need to park it there. Rumor there's going to be more. No, you need to park it. I think yeah. that's enough. Yeah, it's definitely enough. Okay, well we've got Farmageddon. So. We don't know how to park things in Hollywood, do we? No, not when there's money to be made. No. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about. We're going to come back now. We're going to be talking about the new year, the new year in film, and we're going to start off with one um, which we're going to give many of you nostalgic blasts. I'm going to play some music um, that's going to make you think, oh yeah, I know what this film is going to be, but. It might be something which is going to be amazing. Who knows? Let's play it. God gave rock and roll to you. Secular uh, rock and roll providers are also available. Um, That is from the theme tune. That is the the music from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey which I think was the second of the Bill and Ted movies. Um, and we've got a new one coming this year. I can't remember what it's called. Bill and Ted's Face something or other. It's face the Music, is it? I think it's Bill and Ted Face the Music. Almost. Um, Bill and, yes, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, yes. And um, we pick up, and, and, and this is going to be what I, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> 
trademark this, but I'm going to call it the Reeves Naissance. Yeah, because Keanu Reeves has been on a bit of a, a bit it's of a been run. on an upward trajectory for a quite a while. Yeah, um, but uh, it it could be great. I know we've had a tweet in um, from uh, from someone saying that they're looking forward to that, or um, they think it's going to be great. It could be. It could be great. So we Bill and Ted, you know, sort of the lovable kind of. Um, teenage sort of idiots um well it's now. a kind of it's a nostalgia trip for all of us who, who grew up with the bill and ted films isn't it yeah i, I can tell that you know when, from the sort of uh, previous stuff and the, the clips with keanu and uh, alex winter that they they seem really up for it so yeah that, that's positive right yeah exactly so sort of seeing them seeing them you know as many of us possibly are looking back on our lives and thinking what well, i thought i was going to be say i thought i was going to change the world i thought i was going to invent <laughs> You know, the new form of art that's going to change everything. And strangely enough, that's not happened. And, and my back's hurting. So, um, yeah, let be, let's look forward to that. So so films to look forward to in 2020. Um, we've had some tweets already. Hello to B-Film. Um, they have they talked about their films from last year, which are Pain and Glory, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which was the Quentin Tarantino, again, um, you know, garlanded with Oscar nominations, I believe. Um, And um, Little Women, which we're we're, we're kind of on the fence as whether it counts as a 2019 or 2020 film. I don't know. It's about before Christmas. Okay, fair enough. Um, And and that's B-Film's best film of 2020. So um, their best film of 2020 is a film that didn't even come out in 2020. So that... They're saying it's 2020 now, are they? Yeah. Oh, oh God, I don't know. We're going to have a debate thing. about it, but, you know, let's not... We've already, let's... I mean, if you could think, think of this way, it's already been such a cracking start to the year, you know. Uh, I've absolutely loved Jojo Rabbit, and I've loved 1917. Yeah, um, Jojo Rabbit has really split the, the oh, jury, hasn't it? Yeah, I think the public love it more than some of the critics who... Mm. Um, well, you know, here's the deal. Um, you know, comedies about Hitler, the Holocaust, and the Third Reich can be difficult to sell, right? I think there's a first thing... And there's an underlying seriousness to the subject matter. But the thing about it is that it's um, it's a joy. Mm. And it's funny. And it's heartbreaking. And I bought it completely. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very touching. And I think that um, the two leads, Roman Griffin Davis and Thomas and McKenzie, are amazing. In yeah. it. Um, I thought it was um, had the kind of Wes Anderson level of whimsy. Not too much whimsy. Just a, just a little smidgen. And I, th- I really love Taika Waititi. I think he's... I think he's an ace director. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is the best Marvel film and because of him, you know, so uh, there you go. Sticking uh, my neck out there. Yeah, well, I've seen that one and I have to say it's my favourite of, of all of those. Um, 80s aesthetic to the fore, right? And he's... Totally uh, channels Flash Gordon, that film. He's... he's um, he has... He is being sort of talked about as a, as a Star Wars director now, apparently. Um, there's been sort of lots of I don't know these don't rumors, these rumors going around. No, anyway, there's more interesting stuff out there. So yeah, 2020. What are we looking forward to, Tim? What are you looking forward to most? Well, um, apart from the Tokyo Olympics. Before, thank you. Yes, and the football. Um, before I go through some of the things that I'm really, really excited about, I just thought I'd blast through what is coming. Hmm. Um, so first of all, um, 2020 continues the uh, film world's obsession with sequels. We have a new Bad Boys film, but Michael Bay is not directing. Is that good? <laughs> Don't know. Coming to America is coming back because Eddie Murphy's on an upward rise. So again. Is that co- coming back to America? Or coming something? to America again with another two. Yeah. First Top film I tried to go and see 
um, you know, the personal anecdotes coming in. First film I try and go and went to see that was a 15 and I wasn't 15 and I was turned away from. There we go. That's my memory of that. Oh, come on. It's a, it's a boys film, isn't it? Coming to America. A Top Gun Maverick, of course. Go- Ghostbusters Afterlife with the original minus Harold Ramis, of course. Uh, directed by Ivan's son, Jason Reitman. I mean, you know, have to see it. Not overly excited, but Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. The original cast, minus Harold Ramis. I'm going to go and see it. Sigourney Reaver, Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. Paul um, Rudd. Hmm? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Um, okay, um, moving on from those films. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru. I love the Minions. I don't, I'll stand by the Minions. Uh, Legally Blonde 3. Yes, there is a third Legally Blonde film. Why? Wow. Candyman. Now, this is Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele producing. Mm. Build as a sequel to the uh, seminal horror film. The originals freaked me out, so I'm going to that. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 I'm excited about this because I really loved Wonder Woman and I love Patty Jenkins and also on the similar note just covering off Marvel whilst we're on it Black Widow um, I'm quite excited for because Kate Shortland uh, she did uh, Lore and Somersault great films she's directing and Florence Pugh is in it ah and as, as we as we are big fans of Florence Pugh anything that she's in is usually worth watching um, if you're a music if you're uh, oh there's going to be a Sonic the Hedgehog film yeah, with Jim Carrey as Doctor Bro- Doctor Robotnik. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't be excited about that at all. Yeah, you know, someday someone's going to make an amazing computer game film. Yeah, um, it may not be that one, but it'll happen. Remakes uh, that we don't need. Um, the uh, remake of the classic uh, Asian film, The Grudge. Doc Downey Jr. Doolittle. I've heard some shocking, shocking things, about, things that. about that. I think yeah. I've heard shocking things about The Grudge too. Um, Harrison Ford um, is doing um, a remake of uh, Call of the Wild, a Jack London film. You know, Clark Gable is in the original, about wow. 1935. Um, Zemeckis is doing The Witches. Yeah, now that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because the original, The Witches, I'm sure many of our listeners will be familiar with, and if they're not, that is your homework for the weekend. Go and get yourself familiar with it. It's just the original brilliant. Witches is brilliant. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Do we need it again? It's hard to to see. Uh, Spielberg, of course. I'm quite intrigued to see West Side Story and what he does with it. And then I'm also thinking... uh, um, No, West Side Story is is on my list of the top five films I'm most looking forward to. So you can talk about that in a minute? I will. I'm just blasting through these before I talk about But there's not a lot to talk about because we we haven't seen them. I'm really intrigued. I think Bradley Cooper's on an upward trajectory again as a director. He's doing doing a a portrait of Leonard Bernstein called Bernstein with um, Josh Josh Singer. Um, script and um, uh, with Kerry Mulligan as well. So you know, it's a, a, a kind of uh, a biopic biopic of uh, Leonard Bernstein. And I think Cooper's That's proving quite himself. a nice little um, companion piece to uh, to West Side Story. Then exactly, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why I followed it. Yeah, uh, Branner has two films out. He's doing Death on the Nile, so he is continuing his Pryro thing. Mm. Um, I thought Murder on the Express was all right. He was good in it. It was all right. Yeah. Um, and he's doing Artemis Fowl, more Disney fare. Um, Paul Verhoeven's back. Yes. No, he's, he's, it's a Dutch language film, isn't it? No, it's English. Oh. Benedetta. So the synopsis: a 17th-century nun in, it- in Italy suffers a disturbing religious and ero- disturb- disturbing religious and erotic visions. She is assisted by a companion, and the relationship between the two women develops into a romantic love affair. Now, and that is what you want to see Verhoeven directing. That is that that is totally of the old-school Verhoeven. Um, he's working again uh, with David Burke, who he teamed up with on L. And the brilliant thing is. We've had Isabelle Huppert, now we've got Charlotte Rampling. And uh, come on, Rampling in a Verhoeven film about nuns 
with erotic and religious vivid. That's that's a that's a Verhoeven film you want to see. Uh, Ridley Scott is back. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have written a script uh, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Adam Driver and Jodie Comer. And Ooh, the uh, synopsis: King Charles VI declares that Knight Jean de Carouge settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Now, remember a film called The Duelist? Uh, there's a vague uh, and Mr. Ridley Scott has done many historical historical epics but I'm really excited about Adam Driver and Jodie Comer uh, what, uh, that's quite an interesting mix um, yeah. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are both in it as well um, David Fincher film there's a new David Fincher film called I told you this was a good year yeah. Mank um, this follows called uh, Mank Mank not M-A-N-K so it's, it's not set in Manchester okay it's not a it's not, it's not a biopic of Liam, it's not Liam Tony Gallagher. Wilson no 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 um, that would be interesting no no um, it, it's about a screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz uh, and the tumultuous development of Citizen Kane mm. um, starring Lily Collins Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried we do um, we do have um, Charlie Kaufman film Oh yes, what is this? I'm thinking of ending things. I yes, that's another one I've got. I've got on my uh, horizon. It looks like it might be. It's got. It's got Jesse Plemons playing creepy. Yeah, um, which is you know always that's something to get the yeah. flesh crawling. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, okay. And finally, finally, we have no time to die. No time to die. That's I'm this little indie about, film, which I'm not talking about in my most anticipated films because you know it already is, and I won't talk about Bond today. Well. There's there's another one that I have surprised you haven't mentioned, which has got, um, well, I'm just going to say it's a reunited cast from uh, Lost in Translation. Is that on your on your horizon? Ooh, I think I might have found one here that Tim's going to be excited about. Doesn't know about on the rocks. Yes, yeah, Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola is back and that, that, with Bill Murray. But the thing that was interesting about this is that she's not. It's um, Apple. Uh, uh, our, um, it's going to be released on Apple mm. rather than Netflix or Amazon Prime. That's that's the rumor, anyway. That's the thing now, yeah, isn't sorry, it? Is these that. things suddenly becoming, um, you know, slightly more, uh, slightly more difficult to get. Well, potentially more difficult to see. I don't know. It depends on your point of view on that. Anyway, um, so that's now. But that, that's just my whistle stop before I go on to the uh, films I'm really excited about. <laughs> it's it's going to be good. I feel it's a good I'm year, feeling man. a good year coming on. Um, let's uh, let's hear from you. At Screen Brum, if you have any more thoughts on films that you're looking forward to. Whilst um, we do that, I'm going to play some music. Sorry, my mouse keeps breaking here. Apologies for the clicking sounds. Um, let's play some music. This is not, again, not from a film that's come out this year, but it's a film that is uh, on the uh, on the slate, West Side Story. We've talked about it. And, of course, you'll be learning even more about Leonard Bernstein from Bradley Cooper as well, by the sound of things. So let's play some music from it. This is The Rumble. This is the original, um, uh, excuse me, the original Broadway cast, not the the film. Ooh, bit of drama. That's uh, the rumble from uh, West Side Story, which is being filmed this year, released, I think it's coming out at Christmas time. Yes. So we've got a little bit of a delay uh, before that, and it is directed by dun, 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 Steven Spielberg. So um, because of that, it gets kind of all the credits you need. You you know, 
as far as I'm concerned, Steven Spielberg has owned the right to make whatever he likes these days, and, we've, uh, and we all should go and see it regardless. Correct. Um, <laughs> and the original movie had a big place in my heart. Um, it was the very first VHS um, like purchased VHS we had in our house it's my sister's and I remember we, I just watched it over and over again just because it was, <laughs> that was it kids today that was it for entertainment on demand uh, watching one VHS over and over again but I loved it and it's really dark and cynical it's, you know yeah. it's, it's not it's not at all a kind of um, you know fluffy um, it's quite a it's quite a, it's quite a dark and cynical story and, and has some bite in it and I think and some you know co- uh, you know contemporary resonance so I think it'd be interesting to see what's what Steven Spielberg does with it, he's gone back to the apparently the the kind of original stage production rather than a remake of the film. Um, I've seen the, the the stills of it. It's got all the cool fifties clothes, all the quiffs, all the cars. Um, I very much approve of all that stuff. Um, you know, turnips everywhere. You can you can shake a turnip at. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to have some great music in it, and it, I don't think how, I don't see how it can go wrong. Yeah, and also much respect. Two things. I mean, Spielberg is casting very appropriately, not using big stars. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got David Newman in to do the to do the uh, interpretation of the score, rather mm-hmm. than, uh, his usual regular. Um, and it's a Tony Kushner script, which you know, when it comes to scriptwriters who understand the social context and do, does things very very well, Tony Kushner is the man. So. Uh, there's a, I mean, technically, we know it's going to rock, right? It's yeah. going to rock on every level, um, and I'm, I am really excited about it. And it's just great to see, you know, he does, he can just make a musical. Why not? It's Steven Spielberg. Yeah, why not? You know, as you say, he's earned his right to do anything. He can you do know? whatever he likes. He doesn't have many, fl- he doesn't have many flops to Spielberg. He no, can count them on one hand. No, in my opinion, one hook. One hook. Yeah? Do you see what I've done there? Always. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Oh, I tell you what, this oh, is the dear. kind of this is the kind of intellectual debate. If you don't basically, know what we're talking about, you're not listening. Hook always in nineteen forty one. Yeah, they Okay. So what else, Tim? What else are you looking forward to this year? Oh sorry, I was just reveling in my terrible puns there. Um we have a new Sorkin film. Ooh. Um, this is a film that's been a long time in development. I mean, I've been watching this one on IMDb develop for a long time. Um, the Trial of Chicago, and talking of a Spielberg link, this was originally a, 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 a back in the sort of noughties, post-West Wing. This was a script um, that um, Spielberg had picked up. Imagine a Sorkin script directed by Spielberg. And tell me not, it wouldn't be excited about that. Anyway, this is called The Trial of the Chicago 7. And the synopsis, it's based on the story of the Chicago 7, a group of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy, enticing to riot and other charges related to anti-Vietnam war and countercultural protests that took place in Chicago on the occasion of the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Um, The film, as I say, has had a long time in genesis and development. So Sorkin is scripted, Sorkin is directing. It's his follow-up to Molly's Game which I thought was really underrated. Um, so many reasons to be excited. First of all, it's Sorkin. <laughs> um, also, you know, in development, it was Spielberg, and then and then Paul Greengrass was linked. Um, so again, I would have been excited if it was Sorkin with a Greengrass direction. Um, but the, the the cast, Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Jeremy Strong, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Frank Langella, William Hurt, Michael Keaton, Mark Rylance... Yeah, I mean that that sounds like a Spielberg film already. What a cast! Yeah, well, Mark Rylance has been a regular, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I am very very excited about seeing the Trial of Chicago Seven. I'm I'm a Sorkin nerd. I'm wearing a West Wing Weekly T-shirt, mm. so you know it says everything about mine. So if 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 we're just saying Sorkin and that's just noise to you, just so Aaron Sorkin, um, most famous for. 
uh, creating the West Wing TV series, but has made numerous films as well. And done many great stage things as well. And, and scripted um, or the, the Social Network. Social Network, yeah. And uh, the Newsroom, great TV series. Which the American not President. Liked. The American President. Um, and Studio, was it Studio? 57 or something he did or might make it I don't know anyway Studio um, 60 on the Sunset Strip that's that's close or than I was going to Studio 60 sports night three down three down the road Um, fantastic like the look of that one that ties into one of the other films I'm looking forward to this year if we're talking about films that you can't actually believe are not directed by Steven Spielberg Um, it's uh, it's called The News of the World um, and damn it um, that's no, the, 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 I'll, I'll leave it with, there's one the, the, this Bios now this is a film like I say how did Steven Spielberg not direct this Bios is a film with Tom Hanks um, as a uh, plays a, it's in a post-apocalyptic world where he plays an engineer who I believe is uh, lonely and builds a robot which he then teaches about humanity um, so I mean how how is that going to look? Probably very good. It's got Tom Hanks in it. Tom Hanks has got an absolute full slate for this year. Uh, he's got three films out, but we will talk more about them because certainly one of those is my another of my main picks of the year. So anything else coming down the line for you, Tim? I will just cover off news of the world. Um, it's a busy year for Tom Hanks. Mm, this is Paul Greengrass, Paul isn't Greengrass it? Paul Greengrass doing a Western... <laughs> You know, that's quite um, synopsis. Texan travelling across the Wild West brings news of the world to local townspeople and agrees to help rescue a young girl who's been kidnapped. A Greengrass Western, ladies and gentlemen, starring uh, starring Tom Hanks. And they worked quite well last time. Take my money. You're my captain. Yes. Um, Brilliant. I'm quite excited about that. Um, I just wanted to quickly mention, talking of um, directors we just talked about, the next film that Taika Waititi will be bringing out is a soccer film, football film, called Next Goal Wins. Now is this about the is this like a true story about the um like the worst football team or something? Yes, it's about um it's it's basically yes, it's a, it's about the documentary of the same name, mm. which was about um we about that, didn't a we? coach who led the um was it the American Samoa? American Samoa uh, considered the worst football team in the world to qualification in the twenty fourteen World Cup. Um but again, listen to this. You've got um, Michael Fassbender and Elizabeth Moss and Army Hammer. I mean, you know. We talked about Elizabeth Moss. We all again another another actress you'll see in everything. Fastbender you'll see in everything, mm. um, and it's Taika Waititi. It's going to be great. Another another Elizabeth a Moss great football film. film. Yeah. Yeah. Is that possible? That is um, another another um, Elizabeth Moss film. I'm looking forward to this year is The Invisible Man, which looks yeah. very interesting. A sort of you know different take on that, um, and she you know she's fantastic. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to give you one more recommendation before, well not recommendation, more sort of intriguing thing because this is something I only just discovered yeah. this week when I was looking at it. Is there is John Turturro yes. is directing a spin-off of The Big Lebowski. Really? Where it's 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 called the Jesus Rolls. You know his character Jesus from The Big Lebowski, who is this sort of horrible, um, creepy. Um, bowling guy you know with he sort of licks the ball doesn't he it's horrible um it's a it's a uh, spin-off featuring that character um and it's uh, it's a remake of a, a french bawdy uh, comedy apparently from 1974 and um yeah it's called the jesus rolls and um you know that could be amazing i mean it's been a long time since the big lebowski came out but he was one of the standout characters in it I mean, completely repellent but um you know it may be difficult to watch too much of him on screen but you never know could be great um all of these films will be great because you know what all films are miracles right yep 
Should we give you one more before we go to one more, and then we'll play some music? Cool. So I'm just going to chip in. I talked about Guillermo del Toro yesterday um, earlier because we were talking about Pacific Rim being set in the 2020. But um, Guillermo, Guillermo, this is curious. Guillermo del Toro is remaking the 1947 film Nightmare Alley. Um, basically, it's about a corrupt con man who teams up with a female psychiatrist. Not like one, not like one of those uh, those morally upright con men. Yeah, well, you know we. Corrupt common. This is this is what the synopsis says. You know, we got to explain everything in synopses, haven't we? Um, synopses is that a word? Anyway, um, a corrupt common teams up with a female psychiatrist to trick people into giving them money, and it's a script with Kim Morgan and Guillermo del Toro, starring Bradley Cooper, Tom, Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Richard Jenkins, William Dafoe, and so on. That sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds, they all sound good. You see, they all sound good. I know, just so I'm going to go out and just camp out at the multiplex. Yeah, man. I'm, you know, giving you the the world from the multiplex at the moment. Now, I'm going to play a track now. This has been selected by um, our our absent friend, Lucy. Um, She has, it wasn't so much requested as insisted we play this one. Um, And it's called uh, The Pure and the Damned. And I'm going to try and pronounce who's bringing it. I've got some Lucy coming up after, I've got some Lucy stuff coming up after this. Uh, Oni Hotrix Point Never, is that? the right pronunciation um and iggy pop just have a listen to this it's brilliant i'm pretty sure your uh, neck is tingling like mine um that was um the voice of iggy pop and that is from the soundtrack to a film that didn't come out, uh, isn't come out this year or last year, but uh, is very much going to be on the uh, in the microscope, which is Good Time. Uh, and the reason that Good Time um, is being mentioned here is because it is the the, the previous film of the I think the Safdie brothers, I think that's how you pronounce it, who have um, coming out this year with a film that has made a huge waves. In America, Uncut Gems. Now, this is a film which has Adam Sandler. Now, let's let's just make this clear. Adam Sandler being talked about as a serious Oscar nominee. Didn't get it in the end, but he was talked about. Um, Adam Sandler is known for rather broad comedies, shall we say. Um, this is a, a sweaty, terrifying um Thriller. Um, now, I don't. I say that as if I've seen it. I haven't seen it, but what I have seen is Good Time, which is the, the previous one. Now, I'm going to go on record here and say I believe that uh, in Good Time, which is stars Robert Pattinson out of Twilight, um, I think that Robert Pattinson in that film gives one of the all-time great screen acting performances. I think he is amazing in it. I think it is a film that is impossible to tear your eyes away from. Absolutely fantastic um just and and sweaty uncomfortable horrible to watch difficult difficult to watch and all of the reviews of um uncut gems say you know it's that on steroids so i'm not sure i'm going to be emotionally robust enough to watch uncut gems but everything i hear about it it looks fantastic and 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 like i say they those 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 brothers are fantastic directors to watch. It does. I mean, Lucy's just mentioned, um, said thank you for playing that song and mentioned Uncut Gems. I think um, I've read, I've heard some interviews with them. They were prominently on Komodo Mayor's show last week. And it's about how you use Adam Sandler and how you get the best out of him. 
Um, and I think that um, the example of where Adam Sandler, the other example of where Adam Sandler's been used is Punch Drunk Love. Mm. And Rain Over Me as well. Rain Over Me. He has you done know, he dramatic has roles. Done dramatic roles, mm. and he's clearly capable of doing amazing mm. dramatic performances. Mm. So, um, yes, if you are feeling... One in every ten Adam Sandler films. <laughs> well, you know, it's... Uh, it's all right. It's, uh, yeah, it's reasonable odds. Um so um, yeah, get, get on to that if you are if you are you know feeling that you your heart is strong enough to contend with essentially two hours of kind of high adrenaline um, tension. Um, I'm not sure mine is. Um, speaking of which, we've got another um, Christopher Nolan coming down the line. That's a weird time travelly one. That sounds appropriate for Chris Nolan. He is the king of uh, time uh, distortion. Mm. Um, I. Th- uh, wasn't it Tarantino? He said that um, Dunkirk was his film of the decade mm. because he said that the masterful nature in which Paul uh, Chris Nolan can uh, weave three different time dimensions like that, and I think using Hans Zimmer's score to reflect that. I mean, you think about it. If if Tarantino is saying that as a technical achievement and mm. as a film, it says a lot. Dunkirk is brilliant mm. as a technical achievement. And we should mention then um, the kind of spiritual sequel to that 1917 which i think is is a is it a this year release yes so it was out last week i haven't seen it but you haven't you i have and i um i've i I adored it it's going to be a top 10 film of the year for sure for me maybe a top five because what it does and sam mendes has managed to do something here which is not for it's a yes it's set in 1917 and it it can be spoiler and it can be considered a war film, but what it is is it's um, it's more about it's more of a thriller and a horror film mm. than it is a war film because of the way that he shoots it up close. Remember, Paul Greengrass was always the master of the up close and the, and the getting close, but getting close to the person and building suspense around the kind of following of two characters. But the one shot rule, the the our expe- our expectations of what's going to happen to those characters really seeds a feeling of of dread and suspense but what he does is just fill it with humanity and fill it with little minuets and little scenes with other people or other other set pieces throughout and it just grips you for those 2 hours that you're with them or maybe not with both of them not giving too much away am i <gasps> um you've already ruined the year it's being set so. um, yeah i've ruined the year it's being set um, yeah, uh, what is it that uh, Sam Mendes says? Um, uh, he says, I'm the director of Roger Deakins. <laughs> and that's the best way of describing it. Yes, Roger Deakins uh, is the cinematographer who, who's just amazing. I mean, it's it? basically works from a, on a technical level. You've got Deakins, you've got an amazing score by Thomas Newman who mm. really works the, you know, works the kind of uh, feel of the film and the epic scale. And there's one scene involving song, um, which uh, before a battle sequence, which uh, just, you know, can't brings you back down. He understands. He's very theatrical, Sam Mendes. You know he's a stage director, and you can feel that in the way that the film is staged. Um, it, it does it does feel like a series of scenes, and you could see it on the stage as well. A bit like War Horse was when it came out. Spielberg, you know, taking something from a stage onto a screen. Mm. You can still think of the stage play. Mm. You can think of a stage version of this. Uh, and um, yeah, I loved. I loved it. I loved the little cameos. Um, Andrew Scott does this cameo of this guy who's very cynical before they go off into battle and you feel like you totally understand it's like a world a, a war weariness mm. about you oh, you're buggered anyway excuse my language you know it's all going to go wrong it doesn't matter anyway well you do you know you can have this flair but please bring it back oh forget it you're not going to you <laughs> he just basically is he's Mr Futility that's the um, spirit and th- then there's Mark Strong who plays this uh, general and it's this kind of 
you know, you know, you, you know, when you get reassuring Mark Strong. Mm. If you imagine Mark Strong, the reassuring Mark Strong voice, he plays reassuring Mark Strong, and you know, he he gives a kind of a a, a thank you and a motivation to one of the characters in the film. So, so yeah, the cameos are used really well in the film as well. Ooh, so it's a great film. It's another it's one. Really so, so good. Which we can call looking forward to as it is already out, but if it is a 2020 it, film. So, um, 1917. It's confusing now. Years. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to play you something now, which is my. My number one um, film I'm most looking forward to in the year, and I'm going to play. <laughs> I've still got six. <laughs> I know, well, I've got some more as well, but I'm going to play the trailer because um, I'm so. I've been so excited about this for about two years, and I've not got long to wait. I think it comes out in about a week. So um, yeah, you you uh, have a listen to this. This narrative is far more than mere fiction. Are you David Copperfield? I am indeed. It is the true story of the life I was about to lead. Your mama is ill. How old is she? Very ill. Dangerously ill. She's dead. We're very sorry. I can easily recall people of strong character. Good morning. Good morning. Is it too early for Sherry? A little early. And weave their memory. Come in. Form a queue into my life's journey. We're ruined. Like a castle. Bailiffs. How can we be ruined? Like a big castle. Pets. We could keep him as a little pet. <laughs> it was a joke, I'm sorry. I've been attempting to learn gentleman's humor from a book. This calls for a celebration. Hooray! <laughs> this is a remarkable day. Did you hear that? Huge maniac! What an adventure we have had. Oh. What are you doing? Medicine. Reviving you. This is salad dressing. Is it? <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Sorry, what was your name? Copperfield. Copperfield? Copperfield. This is Crop with Trosserfield. David Copperfield. You're a remarkable woman. Very kind. There we have it. It's uh, the personal history of David Copperfield uh, from the uh, Charles Dickens novel, directed by Armando Iannucci. It's got a fantastic cast. You might have recognised some of the voices in there. Dev Patel, Peter Capaldi, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Paul Whitehouse, amongst others. Um, Amanda Iannucci, uh, I believe, is a lifelong fan of Charles Dickens and is often talked about his genius as a sort of comic writer. And I think this is going to be a labour of love. I get the feeling that it is something that is a bit of a cherished project for him. And it just looks really exciting. It looks joyous, funny, you know, a modern take on it. It's set in the original time frame, but it just has, you know, has a kind of slightly slightly punk rock look about it. Um, and Amanda Beach, really hasn't put a foot wrong, really, no. in anything he's done. So I think this could be magical. Uh, and I, you know, and I'm, as I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pretend to be um, very erudite. I've not read it, so I don't know um, <laughs> too much about the book. Um, but I'm really looking forward to being surprised. And, and Tim tells me it's out next week. It's out next week, and um, I echo everything you've said. I will. Um, I'm. Uh, I idolise Amanda Yunichi in many ways. You know, going back to Mr. Tony Blair onwards. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, I, I think 
I'm really curious to see what he'll do with the Dickens, uh, uh, how he will keep some of the source material whilst completely bringing it to modern day. And uh, I think he'll wink, wink, nudge, nudge the whole way through, I guess. Um, Tilda Swinton doing a comedy role is always a joy. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be There's going to be a lot of... um, yeah, it's going to be a case of who who can who can choose a scenery after anyone else. I think. Um, whilst we're oh on the goodness. whilst we're on a tip of this, let's um, let's go mad and let's play another trailer for another Armando Iannucci. This is the only reason I couldn't put this in my in my choices to look forward to is that I've already got an Armando Iannucci, but he's got two things out this yeah. year. Bridge crew, listen up. I need a course back to Earth. There's a lot of people counting on us to get them there. Everything is fine. Whose dog is this? That guy died. What the hell's going on? Should we be scared? If you want. You're supposed to say no, you prick. If there are people to blame, they shall be blamed. I know nothing of the day-to-day goings-on. That has literally nothing to do with Herman Judd. Okay? Passengers are angry. We've got an S storm brewing, and this a hole is not helping. She's my favorite, is she? I suppose you are head of mission control. And I guess what they're saying is that you're not in control of the mission. Bit of an update the three injured passengers no longer injured. Not last, but a good news. No, no, no. Um, they're dead. Probably should have led with that plane. Hi, you are flexible. You are... Oh, it's broken. Good morning, Captain. No, oh, you look haunted. I want answers. What are NASA saying? Is NASA saying? Is it is or aren't? Yes. What is they saying? NASA can offer both expertise and resources. We can. This is the overall cost to NASA. <sighs> is, is that the figure or a phone number we call to get the figure? No man left behind. Dead or alive? <laughs> no, alive or alive? That was Avenue 5, uh, featuring the, the same joke as used in the um, personal history of David Copperfield trailer, but we'll forgive, <laughs> we'll forgive them that. And that's going to be a TV series, a science fiction TV series with uh, Hugh Laurie again uh, in the central role. Um, and, you know, like I said, all these things we said about Amanda Iannucci remain true, so um, yeah, keep your eye out for that. Now, um, we are, we've, we've, we've covered a lot of ground, but we've got half an hour left of the show, Tim. Still a lot of ground to um, So I'm going to whisper a couple more um, just to just to sort of say things I'm looking forward to um, and it's an obvious one on TV uh, Line of Duty 5 a uh, bit of an obvious choice I just love it I think it's so compelling I love the plotting I love the twists I love all the interrogation I scenes you know all the terminology and all the uh, abbreviations don't you it, yeah, uh, yeah I bet, you, uh, I bet you've memorised uh, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's fantastic you know sort of fun uh, enjoy that stuff you know real kind of you know uh, twisty uh, kind of water cooler stuff that stuff where everyone's talking about it um and uh, so that's another one um the other one that um has been talked about already is i'm thinking of ending things oh dear sorry blake um <laughs> um now this is this is charlie kaufman yes um and it's got uh, jesse plemons as a man who's take takes his girlfriend jesse buckley to meet his parents and then takes a terrifying detour uh, it's based on a novel. Uh, it's got David Thewlis in it as well, and Tony Collette. Uh, it's going to be a Netflix production. Um, so we have 
you know, there's issues around that. What do we think? I don't know. This is too complicated for us. I'm already uh, feeling like about. my head is warped just thinking yeah, about what, mean, what, what you're going to do to those characters. Yeah, it's going to be horrible, isn't it? It's going to be it's going to be lovely. I'm going to love every second of uh, it. So keep your eye out uh, for that one. Lucy has said there are two Kaufmans. Yes, what else is coming out I've just year? asked her to tell me what the second okay, Kaufman is, but okay. that's the one I know about. Um, so what else are you looking forward to, Tim? Oh, before I do that, I just want to uh, reflect on some of the things that Lucy has been saying to us uh, on the Twitter sphere. Um, she said that every time I say Greengrass, she just thinks of Claude Greengrass. Um, uh, it's right off my head, that. Yeah, um, I get it completely. Um, Pattinson, as in Mr. Pattinson, is an incredible actor. He's already done so many great things. So you could, could time Little Ashes, High Life, The Rover, Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis? Cosmopolis. What's Cosmopolis? Cosmopolis. David Cronenberg. Wa- uh, Water for Elephants. I adore him. I think he's fantastic. He's gonna be, he's he's he going to be Batman, isn't he? I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing. Mm. Um, yes, Legally Blonde was brilliant. It was a brilliant first mm. film. God knows what the third one's going to be like. I assume it's the same. I assume it's Reese Witherspoon, who's always ace. And um, yeah, um, Lucy Beth also loved Jojo Rabbit. Um, sold as soon as Tom Waits' music was used in the first 10 minutes, though I embarrassed myself in the cinema, crying my eyes out for the whole of the last hour. You don't have to embarrass yourself in the cinema, Lucy, crying in the cinema because that's what I spent most of my time doing. <laughs> Lucy um, um, very kindly um, <laughs> kept me um, grounded this year in the cinema, went to see Mandy. A regular <laughs> regular viewers, will, will, listeners will <laughs> just, know. Just you seeing Mandy is, yeah, is funny. It, it, so Mandy is um, absolutely barking mad. Um, visceral horror film, <laughs> very much not the sort of thing I would was that normally see. Early part of last year, and, okay, um, and I remember, yeah, Lucy, Lucy, you know, talking me down from the ceiling <laughs> with that film because I was like, oh, this is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. But do you funny. know what? It's brilliant. It's funny. It is brilliant. Um, uh, but the, yes, and uh, that does chime in with one of the other films we're going to be talking about later. But anything else, Tim, that you want to? Um, promote really yeah um, I will um, just mention probably my most anticipated film before I launch into another four that I say are most anticipated I'm amazed you haven't mentioned Dune yet. Well, that's because I'm saving it for last. Oh, I'll come back to Dune later. <laughs> no, we can, um, we can talk no, no, I'll come back to it later. Um, okay. My other second, the second most anticipated film of the year is Wendy, which also is been on my list. I'll come back to it. No, right, no, no, let's do we it. Cover Wendy of course now? we can. Of course we can. You see, we do have similar tastes. We sometimes. do. This is this is um, so. This is directed by Ben Zaitlin. Oh, uh, this is just... Uh, so Beasts of the Southern Wild is in so my is it, top three films of the decade. So Beasts of the, the Southern decade. Wild was was uh, Zetlin's uh, previous film, which I think was a debut. 2012. 2012. Um, and it is oh, fantastic. So what's Wendy? Wendy is... It, it should be a clue. It's called Wendy. This is... Um, it's like a Mandy it's sequel. It's a Pe- <laughs> Peter Pan wildly reimagined. Um, it's described in the official promo as a ragtag epic on a five million dollar budget five million dollar budget so that's keeping it low and keeping it real it's probably um, a lot more than Beast of the Southern Wild was uh, it was probably five thousand dollar budget but it looked five it looked it was fifty million dollars in my head beautiful yeah um Lost the synopsis. Lost on a mysterious island where aging and time have come unglued Wendy must fight to save her family her freedom and the joyous spirit of youth from the deadly peril of growing up. Mm. Now, that feels like a follow-up to Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm. If ever you've heard a follow-up, that feels like something that Ben Zeitlin would do. Mm. Um, if, you, if we just... I, I still 
when I think of Beasts of the Southern World, what I think about are staring and eyes. And the actor, the she's acting amazing. amazing. She's amazing. Right. I don't know how old she was, but she was very she was about six, wasn't she? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and this is something I've I, I eight years since the I can't believe it's eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, this film just because because I love Beasts of the Southern Wild. This is just so high up on my list. Yeah, me too. It's it's brilliant. And and he's also the other thing we should say about him is as well as uh, I think he writes and directs is, um, fantastic music as well. Yes. Um, the, I'm going to play a little burst from Beasts of the Southern Wild because this soundtrack is just beautiful and it really gives you an idea of what you're going to expect. So have a quick listen to this uh, until the water goes down. Until the Water Goes Down from Beasts of the Southern Wild and both of us here in the studio are very excited by Wendy, the follow-up to that, um, which is coming out this year, a kind of uh, magic realist spin on Peter Pan. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, We've so also Spielberg just had a... He's co- going to have something that's... He did something called with the Peter Pan twist, didn't he? Mm. For what, we might have had a good Peter Pan film. Well, I went to see, and this is an aside, I went to see a production of Peter Pan at the Birmingham Rep Theatre this year, which was absolutely brilliant. I really, um, really enjoyed it. So um, um, all, all power to those guys. Um, right, what else? We've not got much time. I, I do want to spend a little bit of time... two more. ...talking about Dune. Now, this is a film <laughs> I've been nervous about uh, talking about, actually, because I don't want to jinx it, because I just think it could be amazing. It could be just mind-blowingly good. So um, for those of you that, that aren't aware, um, Dune is a, a, a novel by Frank Herbert, I think from the 60s. 1965. 1965, and it was made into a film by David Lynch, um, who, um, again, regular listeners will know Tim is a massive fan of. Lucy's so he, a bigger fan. They Those two may have strong opinions on it being remade. That was about mid-80s. 84. Um, and this is... Nerd. Um, this is now in the year 2020, is being directed by Denis Villeneuve. Now, Denis Villeneuve um, has got uh, a good run going on science fiction. So his last two films, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Um, so when we're doing this show in 2049, that's going to be an easy one to say. Um, both, of, both of those films are just brilliant. They combine this visual flair with incredible human drama. They, they don't fall into cliche. They're, they're just they're beautiful to look at. They're incredibly humane. Um, and so we've got an amazing cast. We've got uh, Timothy Chalamet, who is very much the man of the hour, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Joss Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Batista, Zendaya. We've got uh, Charlotte Rampling is in it. Uh, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem is in it. Javier. See what I'm doing there? We've just been um, reasonably saying we're trying to be a bit more... Uh, on point with our pronunciations is we have been contacted by um, a Dutch listener who's told us that we're pronouncing Paul Verhoeven wrong and it should be Paul Verhoeven. So apologies uh, to Paul our, Verhoeven. Our Dutch listeners, it's Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven. Um, so back to, to, back to Dune. The, the, the plot sounds like something out of a cheesy pulp novel. You know, it's all clashing empires and weird creatures and space drugs and stuff, but could be something incredible. So I didn't want that to sound uh, pejorative. I'm just saying I'm not want to kind of, I don't want to kind of um, summarise it. Uh, and um, do you know what's also going to have? Um, a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. We love a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Um, when it's good Hans Zimmer. Uh, so we don't know too much else about it, um, where we don't have any 
photos, about how many trailers. We're at this point at the moment where it's kind of, it's, it's a pure thing. It could be the greatest science fiction film of all time. It might well end up being compromised and not, but at this point, when we don't know anymore, I'm, I'm calling this as the greatest science fiction film ever made. Okay, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Probably don't want to see it in case it isn't. But there we go. Over to me. Yeah, over to you, Tim. So, um, yeah, I will go on record as saying I think um, Denis Villeneuve is my favourite mainstream director as as of now. And um, because when he when he attached himself to this project, um, I immediately thought this guy is doing the trajectory. He's taken over from Ridley Scott. He is this day. He is this day's Ridley Scott. Yeah, very the much. choices that he's making, the ambition that he's showing. Um, this is an unfilmable book is that right? in many regards. You cannot film the book as it is. It's really hard. It's a hard book to read, let alone um, film. Um, and in many regards, you have to take the film, uh, to take the book and do something good with it and make it a, the amazing film, right? Um, uh, here's, here's where I'm going to do some Star Wars parallels, all right? So going back to 1983, Lynch turned down Return of the Jedi. To this day... I would still. What? I would still. David Lynch was asked to direct. Return he was of the Jedi. asked to direct Return of the Jedi. Whoa. He did this instead. And to this day, the uh, Return of the Jedi, with directed by David Lynch, I would have loved to hear some backward speaking, uh, backward speaking Ewoks. <laughs> there is actually a little, is an, is a little um, jokey uh, thing I retweeted a while back, which is imagine if David Lynch had done Star Wars, and you can, and he's, he has some Yoda going backwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, and some crazy stuff, um, which is very, it's a very funny little parody. But anyway, there's a synergy here because uh, Villeneuve has talked about this as his dream project. This is the thing he's always wanted to do. Um, and he said uh, he said that most of the main ideas of Star Wars itself have come from Dune. Um, so he said it's going to be a big challenge to tackle this. The ambition of Dune is to do the Star Wars film, I, Star Wars movie, I never say it, saw. This is Star Wars for adults. So I think he's going to take the... I, I have a suspicion he's going to take a lot of the essence of Dune... Maybe adapt it in such a way that you take some of the uh, unfilmable, uh, um, complex elements and the unfilmable elements of the book are going to be taken away. He's going to make a very accessible Dune film. It's one of two parts. There's going to be a second part as well. Is that contingent on success of the first one? Or oh, I don't. I, I, I have no doubts about the success of the film. I mm. think it's going to be. It's going to be one of the biggest films of the year, and it is the most. I mean, by far the most anticipated film of the year, by far in mm. terms of the mainstream. This is the biggest thing that's coming out next this year. Um, it's I the am, end of the year, isn't it? It's not. I think uh, it's still. I'm going to remember the release date. So, but I, you know, I, um, I. This is the kind of anticipation, excitement I felt as a kid when a Spielberg film came out. You know, this is the same kind of. Uh, uh, level as that mm. I am hugely excited about this you know he turned down you know I would imagine he's turned down a lot of stuff or rumours about Bond whatever but he's turned down a lot of stuff to focus on this so it says a lot about uh, you know the only thing that possibly is against it um, is unlike the uh, original it doesn't have Toto doing the soundtrack it's the only uh, the only negative Toto Yes, name of um, the rains down in Africa. But we don't get to see Sting in his pants. No, we're also not going to get to see Sting in his pants. Or Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So but we got him in Picard. That's coming out next week. Sorry, excellent. another anticipated series, Picard. I'm very excited about that as a Trekkie. So um, oh, sorry. Well, so there we are. That's our. Uh, that's our. 
I'm probably on most excited. Well, certainly my most excited. Uh, Dune. Denis Villeneuve's take on Did Frank Did you say Herbert. Dune or Dune? I don't know. Is it Dune? I assume that because it's American. It sounds Scottish. Dune. Well, <laughs> let's go and uh, see Dune. Anyone who's from the planet Atreides, whatever it is, um, and telling us we're pronouncing that wrong, like our Dutch correspondent has done, then you can uh, you can let us know. Let's play a bit of the music from the original um, soundtrack. You did uh, Toto. Toto. <laughs> First attack. So I suppose that's a spoiler because that's called First Attack, which implies there's at least one more attack uh, in the film. Uh, and that was from Toto soundtrack to the original uh, 1984 Dune. Um, we're all very excited about the last one. And we're coming up to the end of the show. We really appreciate all of your tweets and comments and your uh, corrections of our language. Um, so we're just a few more things that we want to kind of um, whiz through, really. Um, there's, um, I'd, I'd like to mention... Something which which has got me a little bit excited. If we're still talking uh, science fiction. It's George Clooney um, who's directing, and we've 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 we're fans of George Clooney's directorial stuff on this show. Um, and um, this is a kind of sci-fi tale which looks like it's kind of in the kind of realm of Gravity, which of course he was in, and The Martian, which we've already raved about. Um, and he's a stargazing scientist isolated in a polar observation station after a planet trashing apocalypse. And then he makes contact with Felicity Jones' astronaut who's trying to return to Earth. So um, I always feel reassured if you make contact with Felicity Jones' astronaut. Yeah. She'll bring you back to Birmingham as well. And to be honest, if you were <laughs> if you were if you were trapped in space, I think the person you'd want to talk you back down would be George Clooney. Yes, true. So um yeah, or, or Mark Strong. In a big coffee pod. <laughs> All about the coffee pods. Um and uh, why else? And what else? So, what else? So I've got I've got one other one which has already been mentioned, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention it now just because um, uh, Lucy uh, Beth has also cited this as one of her things to look forward to, which is The Colour Out of Space. Yes. Now, this is a weird one for me to say um, I'm looking forward to seeing because, it, you know, Mandy, as, as we said, has, has put me um, into some serious sort of mental... Um, dark places because he was so bonkers just Nick Cage mate uh, yeah well he's in this as well and it looks like he's going full Nick Cage you can only have one type of Nick Cage <laughs> uh, it's a, a psychedelic nightmare horror movie um, sounds like Nick Cage now I'm suddenly into that it's uh, Colorado Space it's directed by R- Richard Stanley yeah. um, so it's a return from, um, based on him it's the first film since The Island of Dr. Moreau um, and um, it's based on H.P. Lovecraft um, who uh, is a horror writer got Jodie Richardson in it as well and it looks again like Mandy it looks like a kind of 80s heavy metal um, album cover um, come to life which you know is no bad thing Um, also in the kind of um, Lovecraft area as well actually is um, Mark Ruff's book which I have read Lovecraft Country has been uh, adapted into a TV series by uh, J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele um, and it is a mixture. That's a combo. Yeah, it's a mixture of the supernatural horror with kind of the human horror. So it's set in the Jim Crow era South in the US, and it kind of has the kind of supernatural horror alongside perhaps the more terrifying horror of kind of the Ku Klux Klan and, and racism and, uh, and so forth down there. So I think that could be fantastic as well. So a good year for H.P. Lovecraft. Um, not H.P. Source. H.P. Lovecraft. It's always a good year for HP Source. Always a good time for HP Source. There we are. Controversial. Um, now, Tim, you have one other film. I have two. Two more films. Tell, um, us, tell us them. So, returning, um, we've talked to earlier about Anna de Armas, who we 
firmly believe is brilliant and she's on a very big upwards trajectory um she's teaming up with director um andrew dominic um who uh, you will know from films such as the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford chopper and killing them softly good films eh mm-hmm. um she he has been uh, he's been working on this for a while the film is called blonde and Anna de, Mar- um, Anna de Armas is playing Marilyn Monroe. And it's a semi-fictionalised uh, account um, with uh, Adrian Brody as Arthur Miller and Bonnie- Bobby uh, Cannavale as Joe, de Maggi- de- Joe, de Mia- Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio, um, first um, husband. This, uh, uh, not too much detail about the film other than who's connected with the, uh, the, the character of Marilyn Monroe. And that's very exciting. There's been a lot of people attached to it. Charlize Theron was early on. I think there's someone else a couple of others but I now, really I, see but now Anna de Armas I can really I see because she's got Marilyn Monroe yeah, she's, she's got, got the got kind look. of look and vibe but I think it's perfect for it yeah. she is also appearing Adrian Lyne remember Adrian Lyne oh yeah Fame Fatal Attraction Indecent Proposal Nine and a Half Weeks he was a kind of a figurehead of our 1980s upbringing wasn't he <laughs> yes, uh, he's, he, he's, he's working on a film uh, with Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck called Deep Water um, I, I just thought I'd mention that because I was on Anna de Armas uh, she's in a lot of things and she's in it? she's in of course The Bond which you have uh, heroically not gone on about I can't talk about that because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about well we're going to have a, a, Bond, um, a Bond special yeah. as a, as a, as a, in honour of the film just means Blake can keep quiet and I can talk with exactly. someone. No, we're going to we're going to get we're going to get someone to come and disagree with Tim. We're going to have a another Bond expert in. Don't worry about that. We have plenty of guests lined up this year. It's yep. not going to be just us. And you certainly will be hearing Lucy's voice. So it's not going to be two blokes. So I have a um yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh yeah, more to come on that. Watch this space. I have one more film. Um so um does this sound does this sound good to you? Um we have here a Paul Schrader film. Yes. Uh, with Oscar Isaac playing a gambler in a revenge thriller. Yes. It's called The Card Counter. It's currently in pre-production. We were big fans of one of Schrader's previous films, First Reformed. First Reformed. He, wasn't um, it recently um, he, he was asked his top fate, top ten films of all time and he put First Reformed in there? <laughs> so, yeah, that's confidence. Well. Yeah. Um, so this is the synopsis. Um, the film follows uh, uh, William Tell. <laughs> Gambler, um, played by Oscar Isaac, a gambler and former serviceman who sets out to reform a young man seeking revenge on a mutual enemy from their past. Tell just wants to play cards. His Spartan existence on the casino trail is shattered when he is approached by a character called Cirque, or is it Kirk? I don't know, Cirque, a vulnerable and angry young man seeking help to execute his plan for revenge on a military colonel. Tell sees a chance at redemption through his relationship with Cirque, gaining backing from a mysterious gambling financier. Tell sells Cirque with take takes Cirque with him on the road, going from casino to casino and casino until the unlikely trio set their sights on winning the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas. It's very Scorsese almost, isn't it? Mm. But Schrader, you know, it's going to be interesting. But mm. keeping Cirque on the straight and narrow proves impossible, dragging Tell back into the darkness of his past. That sounds good. It, and it, Oscar Isaac. It know, does sound good. It sounds, um, it sounds. It sounds again one for the kind of um, emotionally robust time in your life is it's probably going to be quite harrowing it's going to be quite harrowing and but it has a total it makes you think of uh, 70s uh, thriller films yeah which um, is just my jam just, totally my jam yeah. and uh, yeah it's it, it it's probably not going to come out this year though if you're only in pre-production is it it's in pre-production so you don't know sometimes um, this is the list of films in production and you sometimes some of the things I might have said might not be out in 2020 but I'm going on my most anticipated films and it's 2020 so 
We shall see, right? We shall. We shall. Um, right, we're coming right up to the end of the show. Um, we, um, we've we had some... con. Uh, What's the word? Controversy about whether or not um, Sting in his pants is going to be a positive or negative thing to not see in the new Dune film. But who knows? You might get to see Sting. You might come in and have a, a pants cameo. Who they knows? are good pants, though, in the uh, original version of Dune. <laughs> we've we've spent far too much the, time on Sting's pants. The fact that we're spending this much time on it says that something must be uh, sticking. Um, <laughs> so we, we're, um, we're, we're, I've got one more thing, Sorry, actually. inappropriate which I've just found out about. Um, and um, it's got three words, which means that's all you need to know, really, which is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Okay, so you, you're on board. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge... not Bond-related. Who, not Bond-related. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, this year, uh, Fleabag Series 2 is one of my highlights. I, I, I avoided watching it for quite a long time because I did love the first series and I kind of wanted it to be finished and done with. And the first series was, was quite harrowing. Um, the second series was better, in my opinion. Brilliant, funny, uh, uh, just just fantastically written, fantastically performed all the way through. Sort of agony to watch, but beautiful with it. And uh, she's got another TV project. Um, and it's... Uh, a, um, a rom-com thriller with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and also uh, Dom Hall Gleeson in it. Uh, it's called Run. Um, that's all we know, I think, about it at the moment. In fact, I'm not even sure if I've just made up that name, um, Run. But um, that's that's another thing to keep your eyes out for. It's an American production, so it may be on one of the um, one of the Sky channels. Um, other ones are available. So there we are. I think that's pretty much the ones I've picked up on that I am looking forward to. Yeah. But there's, I mean, it's, it's always the it's always the the. Um, you know, the ones that come out of the blue as well. There's a few more that I haven't mentioned, but I won't talk in any detail. Just to just to whet the appetite, we've got two Spike Lee joints come in production. Um, Daff Live Bloods uh, is the name of one. Um, and the other one is called Prince of Cats. Um, whether they're both coming out this year, I don't know. Um, we shall see. Uh, that's quite exciting. We have mentioned Sophia Coppola, haven't we, earlier? Um, which is uh, on the rocks, which looks very exciting. With Scarlett Johansson and is Scarlett Johansson in it. I didn't know that. I know that Bill Murray's in Bill it. Bill Murray, sorry, yeah. no, not sorry. You always get those two muddled up. Yeah, it's easy to do that, <laughs> isn't it? Um, there's a new Tom McCarthy film. Um, it's called Stillwater. Um, I think that anything Tom McCarthy does gets my interest peaked, and it's got. So what else has Tom McCarthy done? Um, just going to pull up the list because I'm just giving you, giving you a list of the great films that Tom McCarthy has done because it's worth remembering. He did Spotlight. He's got a film coming out with uh, Mark Ruffalo um, about the, um, the the polluted water scandal. Oh, yeah, is that got on Blue it, Water um, or something? Yeah. Um, to, I've, I've said oh, to you that kind of I, I think that he does procedural as well as anybody out there. He's um, he's, he's a brilliant TV director as well because he, he directed... Um, he's done stuff involving like The Wire and Law and Order. He's a really good gritty director mm. and uh, I think that um, anything he does is brilliant he's, he's very no nonsense mm-hmm. um, he also you know talking of George Clooney link he uh, he, he was um, behind Good Night and Good Luck as well with George Clooney Ooh, he's we very like director. that yeah. it's going to be brilliant this year regardless of all the you know potential negatives we've got that we've got George Clooney revealing himself to be an alien Aston Villa winning the Premier League and um uh, the Tokyo Olympics. I mean, what a year we're going to have. 
Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven. I've learned uh, something today. Uh, coming out. Well, I hope we all hope that you all have learned something else today. Um, it's a naughty year when Paul Verhoeven goes out. And we're going to we're going to play out with another track, which has been. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to seeing this film because I do not believe I will ever get to see it. Which is the man who killed Don Quixote, which was Terry Gilliam's. You know, say long gestating. You know, ridiculously long gestating um, uh, film. Um, with, uh, oh, I can't remember who's in it now. Was it Johnny Depp was in it at one point? But um, I can't remember who's in it. But because um, I'm paying no attention to it, because I just simply don't believe I'll ever get to see it. Um, but um, yeah, I believe it has been released somewhere, and the soundtrack is available, and the soundtrack is fantastic. So I want to play out with uh, a track from there. I'm going to have a go at pronouncing this correctly Tade Azul de Abril. Um, a song by Carmen Linares. Linares? I'm not quite sure. Um, so we'll play out with that before we do. Oh, I feel for you. <laughs> before I do, um, we'll have, uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, corrections to that as well. Um, before we uh, play out, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, all of you, for listening. Thank you, Tim, for joining me. Thank you, all of you at home. Thank, thank you, you, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. We for, miss you. Uh, we do miss you, but we will be back. We're going to be back with a bang this year, and we're going to be playing uh, loads of... Oh, sorry. Don Quixote is screening Electric Brum at the end of the month. Ooh. Terry Gilliam. There we go. Get on. How come we've not gone through the entire two hours and not mentioned Terry Gilliam? Well, because I say, I just do not believe... You know, this film has been so long. I'm not... Until I'm sitting this... Until I'm actually finished seeing it. You're probably still editing it. Yeah, I, I don't style, believe... like Tom Hooper, <laughs> except we know it's going to be better than Cats. We, we hope. We well, hope I haven't seen Cats. I'm not going to have an opinion on it. It could be amazing. Probably not. Okay. Um, goodbye, everyone. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we hope you have a fantastic 2020. Take care and see you soon.